This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. That was out every Thursday on the terminal. And Bloomberg Intelligence's Damian Sassauer. And first, we have to say, Rich Truman, you came in second. And we have to congratulate Charles Vollmer. It's not Charlie, it's Charles Vollmer when you win the whole championship. So we got to say, congratulations. You came in second. You, you put up a valiant fight, Rich. You know, it really did come down to the wire. It came down to the uh, Monday night game, and Josh Allen put Charlie up. But it was weird because it went back and forth, and I actually thought I had a good chance because Charlie made a couple of mistakes. He benched Gronk, who had two touchdowns against the Lions. Then I had Jeff Wilson, who had a great game, and he had a 30-yard run, which I thought was a touchdown, but he had the ball on the wrong side of the pylon. And then Charlie made a great move, which he probably didn't realize he did, because Jarvis Landry got scratched because of COVID. At the last minute, he played Nelson Aguilar. So you had Aguilar and Miles Gaskin go on that Saturday night game with the Dolphins-Raiders, and that put him above. But I came back. It was back and forth, back and forth. But Charlie pulled it out. So the funny thing was I made those, those waiver wire pickups last week. And I was exact, doing exactly what Michael Barr was talking about in the previous week's podcast, of trying to look ahead, see who you might need, because with the COVID and everything that was happening this year, you need a diversified bench. And that was, I think, the key to, to my drafting this year in the waiver wire was diversification, 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 because we had how many games were changed at the last minute. Um, and you didn't, you didn't know who to start when. And there were even a couple times, too, where I had players scheduled for Monday, and I swapped them out just because if I knew I could guarantee a player was going to play uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Um, with stuff like the Pittsburgh situation with the Ravens and, and things like that, you got to be able to hedge a little bit. I have to ask, Damian, you th- you're thinking about the most valuable player of the season. Who would that be? Oh, well, it would have to be, for me at least, uh, a, a throw-up between Kamar and Cook, right? I mean, those guys have just been beasts all year long. Um, at the receiver spot, I mean, it kind of takes me to, you know, who, who, who are going to be the best performers next year in 2021? And so – you know, for my first tier in RB, it's got to be Kamara Cook and McCaffrey. At wide receiver, it's got to be Devontae Hill and Diggs. I mean, Diggs has been an absolute beast these past few weeks. And I guess it takes me to QB, right? I mean, obviously Mahomes is a cut above, but after him, I, I like Watson. I like Allen a lot, too. Um, and I like Rodgers, perhaps, even if he can continue at the current pace. So, you know, yeah. You know, I mean, I think Cook, Kamara, those guys are – they've had huge years. <laughs> Rich, do you have Alvin Kamara or is someone else in our league have? I did not have Alvin Kamara. Let me get back to my team because that's what it's about. <laughs> uh, Damian gave some advice at the beginning of the season that I took that could kind of came back to bite me. He said, if you see a guy in waivers early in the season, use a lot of money. So foolishly, I used a lot of money on Devontae Freeman when the Giants picked him up. So I pretty much wasted my entire budget like five or six weeks into the season. And this is where my advice is you have to look at what other players have. I actually, during the year for free, picked up Justin Herbert, Jeff Wilson, 
I mean, these are good, valuable players, and I had no budget. Russell Gage at the end I picked up. So you really, like, Charlie and Damian and Michael Barr, who were in the playoffs, I didn't have $1 to spend. I would have blocked a lot of moves that I made midway and late through the season. So when you're doing fantasy, my advice is not only look at your team, look at other teams that you have and try to prevent them from getting players especially if our league was in a, a auction budget for fantasy playoffs. So it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I did. All throughout the year, I try to use as little money as possible. Um, hopefully I have a, a good enough team that I don't really need to make a big situation. I didn't have anybody that really went down for the year that kind of killed me. But I did that, and looking into the playoffs, I had, I think, 60% of my budget left. And I looked fully knowing that Rich had no budget, that number one, I didn't have to use a lot of budget in the first round of the playoffs because I knew if Rich was there, I, w- I was going to have all the money in the world I needed to do that. And that's what I started doing was looking at what your other teams have. I think some people might say that's a little bit cocky, but it's kind of the way you have to look in the playoffs. You have to think ahead of what are they going to need that maybe I could scoop up. So there was a point where in that first playoff week, because I knew Mark, who I was playing, uh, was weak at quarterback because he had some, you know, had some, I think it was a COVID or an injury there. Uh, I picked up a third quarterback for no reason, just so I could keep the hottest free agent quarterback off the market. I had no need for him. It serves as a great backup if somebody goes down, but I think that's kind of how you have to think about it. You know, guys, when we look back at this draft, I've never recalled, and I don't know if it was uh, because it was 2020, that type of year it was, but I never saw so many first-round busts like I saw this year. Obviously, there were a lot of injuries. Barkley missed most of the year. McCaffrey missed most of the year. Michael Thomas missed most of the year. But there was Joe Mixon, who I had in my other league, missed most of the year. But there were so many first-round busts this year. And, you know, leagues, I always say, are not one in the first round. They're one in later rounds on waiver picks. And, like, a couple guys that I think are going to be great, like, second-round, third-round picks next year, DeAndre Swift, Miles Gaskins from the Dolphins. You really have to don't put so much importance to that first rounder. You really need to try to build your team in the mid, you know, the later round picks. Well, well, hold on. Well, hold on there, gentlemen. Are you telling me that having Russ Wilson and Josh Allen, a quarterback, is in a recipe in a 2QB league? I mean, come on. Are you telling me that, you know, if you did happen to have Cook fall into your lap or Kamara fall into your lap in the middle of the first round, that didn't help you? Come on. So, yeah, but where, 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 you where still want to have. Draft, where did Charlie draft Josh Allen? Like the 14th round? I agree with you. Now, here's the thing. I mean, you, you mentioned busts. I mean, and you make a great point. You know, guys who went early on Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, who got hurt, you know, those guys did not perform. Rodgers was available probably at the end of most drafts, uh, certainly in one quarterback league, on waivers. And, you know, another thing you make a great point about, heading into week 15 in most fantasy leagues, Jeff Wilson was on waivers. So that always kind of happens. If you have a little bit of budget that you've saved up for and, you've ha- and, you, ha- and you made the playoffs, you know, to be able to, you know, make Make those picks in weeks 14, 15, 16, when, quite frankly, you just don't know which teams are playing for what at that point, right? And now, look, I, mean, I guess that, you know, just, just to keep going with that, it takes us into where we are in the playoff race. You know, if you are in a fantasy league where you are playing and have something to play for in week 17, I know a lot of leagues where what they do is they take the combined week 16, week 17 score for their Super Bowl champ. I mean, there's a lot of teams with something to play for this year, which is great. You know, I mean, look at the NFC East. Everybody's playing for something except the Eagles, right? So it, it has been a very interesting season. There's been a lot more parity than I would have thought for sure. You kind of just answered my question. Is like why in there many teams, or many uh, leagues out there that play in Week 17, which I never understood why, but you just <laughs> answered the question, Damian. 
I mean, then yeah. And I mean, look, you know, you've got right now. I mean, look, Sanford. I mean, think about this, right? The it, the, uh, the the Rams. What is it? The Rams um, Arizona game. Loser goes home, right? I mean, what a great game to be involved with. Even Green Bay Chicago. You know, if Chicago wins that, they're in the playoffs, and Green Bay's trying to lock up that one seed. So everyone in the NFL, with the exception of Kansas City, is pretty much going to bench their entire team is playing for something. But you know, that kind of comes back and hurts you too, because if you were riding Kelsey or Mahomes or any of those guys, you know, they're getting benched this week or they're barely going to play the first half. And for that matter, Rich, the Washington football team will be watching what the New York Giants will be doing because they play the 1 o'clock game. Washington plays the evening game. If the Giants win, then Washington has to win. Well, yeah, the winner of the Giants-Dallas game is in if Washington loses. The only team that's Correct. out automatically are the Eagles. So it's amazing. You know, the Giants, I'm a Giants fan, second-worst scoring offense in the league this year, They've only behind the Jets. And, you know, I could arguably, and, I'm, you know, a lot of times when you're a Giant fan, you can't complain. I saw four Super Bowls, but you're a little more critical of your own team. You know, I don't think it's a far fetch to say that the Jets, if the Jets play the Giants right now, the Jets might beat them. The Giants yeah. have been horrible the last month of the season. Virtually no offense whatsoever. And they could still make the playoffs. And yeah. they can still make, yeah, they can still win a division and they can still host a first round playoff game. Unbelievable. I mean, the one other thing that stands out, right, is that Pittsburgh's going to be benching Big Ben in a game where they really need to win it, right? I mean, not, I mean, if there's an injury there, obviously, but I mean, like, you know, having Mason Rudolph, the quarterback, throws, you know, it makes it difficult to trust guys like Deontay and Juju and Connor. So, you know, that's another one, you know, that stands out. So it's, 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 it's just any other week here in the NFL, although it is the final week of the season. Michael, going back to your point earlier, the other league that I've been playing in for over 30 years with my uh, college buddies, uh, and I get them only 40 years old, um, the, <laughs> Big college, the majority <laughs> of payout is total points. So we play to, through week 17. And we do first, second, and third place prizes, and only eight points separate three teams for third place. So that's another way. Uh, I think it's an interesting way to do it because it keeps mostly everybody involved into the very end. Any games you're looking at, gentlemen, that, uh, that look at your fancy for at least maybe uh, if you want to put some coin on it? Well, I'll, I'll jump on that one. Well, I mean, here are the games that are most interesting to me. That's not the high-scoring affairs. It's the low-scoring affairs. You've got Jets New England, right? And Stidham's probably going to start over Cam Newton the way he looked last week, right? So I think the over-under in that game is a mere 39 points. I mean, go figure. And then, you know, you obviously have that Arizona Rams game, loser goes home. The over-under in that game, if you had talked to me just four or five weeks ago and asked me what the over-under in that game would be, I'd say it'd be 50-plus. The over-under is 39-and-a-half. <laughs> so, you know, these low-scoring affairs in Week 17 are coming to you. And then, look, I mean, you've got, I mean, Jacksonville, Indianapolis is a 14-point spread there. Baltimore, Cincy, they're 11-and-a-half point spread. So you also should see some blowouts. I mean, go figure, Cleveland is a 9-and-a-half point favorite against Pittsburgh this week. Amazing. Rich? You know, one, one, one game that I think could be a sneaky uh, you know, daily fantasy play um, Denver's playing the Raiders. I can see a lot of points being scored in that game. And if you're looking for, like, a low-value pick, Drew Locke possibly, and he's coming off his worst game of his rookie season. Judy dropped about five balls the other day against the Chargers. I could see him possibly having a bounce-back game. So I, I like if you need value picks, 
Drew Locke and Jairus Judy, possibly. Can I just say, is this really a business of sports podcast if Michael Barr doesn't bring up sports gambling? Oh, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that but, a box we're checking every week on the show? <laughs> Charles Vollmer, man, you are the man. You are the champ. Uh, can you drop some words of wisdom on us before we uh, close out the show? My actual words of wisdom are, I think diversification is number one to me. My whole strategy this year is I don't know the NFL like you guys know. I don't know how far Cook's going to run this week. I know he's a great player. I know what he's capable of. So to my advantage, my big thing was diversification. I go in with a draft plan of never having two people on the same team, and I try to have as little bye week overlap as possible. So my whole theory with it is you're never going to face my team less than about 90 85%. You might not get me at 100% most weeks, but you're never going to be lower than 85 and I think that's been key, and, and I've been fairly successful with it. Ironically, the first year we did this league, uh, Rich beat me in the championship. So now we're one and one. So we're gonna have to see what happens next year. We're gonna have a tiebreak over who really uh, rules this thing. Yes, yeah, absolutely, Charlie. I want you. Oh man, here we go. Congratulations to Charles Vollmer and blah blah blah. <laughs> you can catch our podcast here every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and we'll be back next season to do this all over again for the podcast for Fantasy Sports. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter. And I'm at Big Bar Sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.